0: in your Bible to Matthew chapter 24. I don't remember how many weeks I promised we would be in Matthew 24, but I think it was a few weeks ago. We should have been done. Today we will be done with Matthew 24. I'm going to read the passage for you this morning as we begin to look at this last section in the chapter, which is kind of misleading if we're trying to pay attention to the entire discourse. This is just the middle of it. And really, this is Jesus' practical explanation of what he had been teaching already, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Let's read the word of God this morning. Matthew 24, verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he doesn't know and will cut him in pieces, put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping, gnashing of teeth. Father, give us understanding as we look to your word. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. Receive the food of your holy word. Ask through Jesus. We are continuing going through Jesus's teaching on his parousia, his final return. Pay attention long enough, you'll pick up a couple of Greek words. You can impress your friends uh, or make them think you're one of those people. I don't know which one, which, uh, which it'll end up being. We're talking about the parousia, we're talking about the return of Christ, that day that we continue to anticipate. Jesus previously. began to explain what his final return will be like by saying things such as, you don't know when it will be, you won't expect it, but you must be ready for it. We began to look at that and consider that uh, irony last week. How can you be ready for something you don't expect? How can you be prepared for a thing you don't know when when it's coming? Jesus began in... The uh, 44th verse, I'm sorry, in the 36th verse, to talk about this unexpected nature of his return and the need to be prepared and ready for it. Last Sunday, very simply, we learned that being ready means staying awake, that we are meant to enjoy the good gifts that God has provided for us, but we are to live in the present with an eye to the future, to the last day. It's not that we're blinded by just today, but we're thinking and enjoying and living in today so that the future may be uh, we may be ready for it when it when it happens. We're not meant to just sit by and wait. We're building on that theme this morning with the second explanation of what being ready means. This morning, being ready means being faithful staying faithful, and we begin to see this aspect of the delay introduced from here on, on into several of the other uh, explanations here. Jesus explains this second aspect of his uh, of what it means to be prepared by giving us this parable of two kinds of servants or slaves. And to really understand what Jesus Intends for us to understand from this passage, we need to be able to answer three questions. And so, that's the, if you're using the notes, that's the first three questions in the, in the bulletin, and then uh, we'll get down to uh, how we can uh, understand this. Three questions that we need to understand are, what is a servant? Uh, the word servant here, in, in, in the ESV at least, is the word doulos, and it's another Greek word, and we'll try to unpack that uh, briefly. Before, just as a kind of a preview to that, uh, it's sometimes it's, it's used as servant, other times it's the word slave, sometimes it's the word bond slave. There is a difference. And I think there is a better word to use, and we'll, I'll try to explain that as we go, but just know that as I this morning, at least, as I'm using the word servant or slave, I, I'm using them interchangeably uh, to try to grasp the meaning of the word doulos. Second question we need to understand is, what is a faithful servant? What is a servant in the first place? Then, what is a faithful servant? We'll see that in verses 46 and 47. And then, interestingly enough, the bulk of the passage deals with the third question, what is a wicked servant? It's interesting that Jesus would spend more time describing the actions and the thoughts of a wicked servant than he does what a faithful servant looks like. But we'll try to answer those three questions, and in doing so, Hopefully, see that a prepared slave is a faithful slave. A ready servant is an obedient servant. In other words, to be ready for Jesus' return means that we are being faithful servants who obey the commands of Christ and serve each other. We are not meant, as was explained in the previous passage and will be done so again. We are not meant to sit and wait for the return of Christ. We're not just sitting by the window waiting for Jesus to come. We're not standing at the door with our bags packed, sitting ready to go. When is Jesus going to come? Rather, we're supposed to be busy. Busy with what? Our passage answers that question. I found it helpful this uh, this, this week. uh, Richard France uh, has been very helpful uh, in his commentary, and he made this comment about this passage before us. Concerning the waiting for Christ, he says, it's impossible to live life on constant alert. So verses 45 to 51 explain in a parable what being ready means. He says, when the master leaves a servant in charge during his absence, he doesn't expect to find him waiting at the door when he returns, but rather getting on with the job entrusted to him. And that's what we need to see in our own lives. So I want, as we go through this, I want you to consider this phrase. It's in their bulletin at the bottom there. And I would encourage you to do a couple of things with this phrase. First of all, think on it, meditate on it, and try to answer it as, uh, as it applies to, uh, to, to maybe one aspect of your life. I think that this phrase applies to all of us, but I think we can see it maybe happening in different ways. And here's the question, or here's the phrase, don't live today as if Jesus is coming tomorrow. Rather, live as if he never left. I'll try to explain what I mean by that, but I want you to keep that in the back of your mind and uh, we will uh, try to answer that and, and try to see in ways to apply it. Even tonight, those of you tonight, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit further, but if you're not here tonight or whatever, Bible study or talking with your family on the way home, well, think through that. What does that mean? Don't live today as if Jesus is coming tomorrow. It sounds like we should be doing that, but it's better to live as if Jesus never left at all. Let's try to answer these three questions uh, before we run out of time. First of all, what is a servant? Right? I said the word servant is uh, in, in here is the Greek word doulos, and it means servant. Uh, the ESV has a, a little footnote that uh, throughout any time the word servant is used, it'll say or bond servant. I think other translations use the word slave, which I actually think is a better translation. And uh, it helps us to think rightly about what it means to be a doulos. Today, when we think about servants, uh, some of you are thinking about Downton Abbey, you're thinking about all the maids and the butlers and running around, and and some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's because you watch better shows. But the rest of you uh, know what I'm talking about. Uh, The the idea of uh, those who have made some kind of an agreement with another person to be hired to do acts of service, to do whatever it is that they may be. In Roman times, a doulos was a slave for the most part, considered the personal property of the master. He belonged to the master for life. So was, there are a lot of similarities to uh, what we understood slavery to be in uh, antebellum South. Uh, but uh, I think there may be a couple of differences uh, in Roman times as it was today. But I do think that that captures a better meaning of the word, the word slave. Some. Commentators suggest the reason we don't use slave so much is because we're embarrassed, rightly so, by the history of our country. But as a do-loss, as a slave, you do not belong to yourself. You belong to someone else. That means then that you are supposed to do the master's wishes. Whatever he wants, whatever she wants, you do. Doesn't matter what you want, doesn't matter what you think. You do what you're told. 1 Corinthians 6, we read a little bit of it this morning. But verse 19 reminds us that you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God. You were bought by God. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You never did. You belonged to sin before that. But you don't belong to yourself. So you are a slave. You are a servant to God. Romans 14, Paul says that none of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We belong to God. That, that, is, that is the scripture in our catechism that we use to remember, what is your only hope in life and death? I'm not my own. I belong to God. Whether we live, or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Because he bought us. He redeemed us. We belong to another A servant, a slave, is one who is under the authority of another person. And it is his purpose simply to fulfill his master's will. Even earlier in Matthew, Jesus uh, made the famous statement, Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve two masters. Why? Because you cannot faithfully obey two different people at one time. You must wholeheartedly be devoted to one or the other. Because a slave, a doulos, must owes his complete loyalty and allegiance to his master. So then those who have been bought with a price, Christians, who have been redeemed by God, are his servants, his douloi, his slaves. Romans 6, you can read it sometime. We are slaves to sin. And it shows because we obeyed sin. We obeyed our sinful flesh, our passions. But Christ has set us free from our slavery to sin. Not free to do what we want, but free to serve Him. And Romans 6 tells us that we have been made slaves to righteousness. Verse 22 of Romans 6, it says that we have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. And as God's slave... As Christ's douloi, we are supposed to obey him. Okay, that's what a servant is. So then, let's ask the second question. The second two questions, last few questions, are a little bit faster. What is a faithful servant? We understand what a faithful servant. We'll understand what a wicked servant is, and vice versa. In the story, in verse number forty-five, the master has left his servant in charge, charge not of everything, but in of a lot of things, specifically over the household. This is this word household is not everybody in the house, but the other slaves in the house. Typical. That's why we read the the Joseph story in Genesis 39, because Joseph portrays what Jesus is is, uh, explaining here. He's been set over his household and given particular duties. His job is to give them their food at the proper time. He's to dispense the food. He's making sure that every other servant is cared for, is, 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 is taken care of. And it the servant is blessed, he says, if the master returns and finds him so doing. That's an important little phrase there. In other words, if he returns and finds the faithful servant obeying, he'll be blessed. Not only is he blessed, he is rewarded because he goes on there to say in verse 46 that uh, he will set him over all his possessions. So, all his possessions is a step up from all of the household slaves. He is obedient. He is blessed. He is rewarded. That's a faithful servant. What's a wicked servant? A wicked servant is the one who, whether or not he thinks he has a lot of time or a little time, believes that the master has been delayed and therefore he's free to do as he pleases. The, 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 The obedient servant had a delayed master. But the difference wasn't in the expectation of when his master was coming home. The difference was in how they responded to that. The slave's responsibility was was the same as, as, as before. And yet, what does he do? He doesn't obey the master and care for his fellow servants. He beats them. He doesn't feed them. He eats and drinks with drunkards, it says in verse 49. And when the master returns, it catches him unprepared. The faithful servant didn't know when the master was coming, but he was prepared because he was being faithful. But this man was not being faithful, was not being obedient, and so when the master ca- came, it caught him off guard, and it caught him in his rebellion. And as a result, he is not rewarded. He is punished. He is cut in two, literally cut in two pieces. He's, he's hacked in pieces and put in a place with hypocrites. We'll talk about this a little bit more tonight, I think, but uh, if you were to do a study on the word hypocrite, every time in the Gospels, Jesus is the one who uses the word, and he usually uses it for uh, one particular group of people. They're not good people. And they go to a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is how Jesus describes hell. This is the result of being an unfaithful, wicked servant. What is a faithful servant, one who's obedient. What is a wicked servant? One who doesn't care, who does what he wants. So then, look back at verse number 45 as we consider the question that Jesus asked. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Who is it? And we should ask ourselves which one we desire to be. In short, the faithful wise servant is the prepared servant. He is the one who does not know when his master is going to return, but he is obedient nonetheless. He is obedient and receives reward and praise, not disobedient, receiving judgment and hell. Francis is helpful again here. He wrote, Neither of the two servants portrayed has an advanced knowledge of the master's return. The difference is in the way he finds them behaving. He says, Our readiness... For the coming of Jesus is not an excited speculation, but faithful stewardship. So with that theme of stewardship, I want to consider three aspects of what it means to be faithful and prepared. Okay. First of all, good stewardship means good handling of the Master's absence. Good handling of the Master's absence. in both situations, the master was delayed in coming. The difference was in how they responded to that delay. Another way to look at it is how the servant manages the time. He had been given a certain amount of time. It was an unknown amount of time to be in charge without the master being present. The wicked servant's attitude was that it only mattered that the master saw him being obedient which is why, when the master was gone, he did as he pleased. If the wicked servant had been rebellious in the master's presence, he wouldn't have been alive to be able to do what he did in the master's absence, and certainly wouldn't have been left in charge. If the master wasn't around, the wicked servant didn't care what the master wanted. He did what he wanted. In the master's absence... He wasn't care uh, he didn't care what what the master had left him to do he only cared to be thought obedient not that he was truly obedient hang on to that one and let's add that to some other things since the master came at a time when the servants did not expect they couldn't wait to obey since you don't know when he's coming back is a very dangerous gamble to put it off until the master comes. You can't, okay, mom left you at the house, and she said, i got to run a few errands, and I want you to vacuum the living room before I get back. And you've done this before, and you know that it takes, I don't know, let's say it takes you 15 minutes to, to vacuum. You can't wait until mom pulls into the driveway to be obedient, because you have no more time. That is the attitude that the wicked servant had. As long as I am seen to be obeying, I'll be okay. But when the master comes unexpectedly, he will be caught unprepared. He is caught off guard. And notice in verse 48 that this bad behavior begins with his bad thinking. Because it starts off that he says to himself, My master's delayed this attitude, if we really consider that, kind of suggests that he wasn't even expecting the master to return. I I think we could make a a, a good argument that he wasn't just considering, I have a little bit more time, but rather, he's not coming back. I can do as I please now. I mean, if you think about it, if he really did think the master was coming, but he had another week, and he was beating on the servants, wouldn't that have gotten back? to the master eventually? Wouldn't he have seen his other starving servants and found out what's going on? Well, this guy didn't do what he was supposed to do, or or the new company that he's keeping, or whatever the case may be. The master's absence was the wicked servant's excuse to live however he pleased. And it's an attitude that says the master He's only in charge as long as he's around. When he's not around, I'm in charge. But the master's absence or his delayed return should make no difference to the faithful servant's obedience. The wise, faithful servant realizes that he does not belong to his master. Therefore, his time is not his. Nothing is his. It's all the Lord's. It's all the Master's. And whether the Master is across the sea or just across the room, he will be found so doing. So let's just ask the question for ourselves. Do you work harder when the boss is around than when you're by yourself? We know a lot of people do. But as a Christian, What about you? Does it make a difference when the boss is in the room or when the teacher is in the room or kids when your parents are in the room? As Christians, we need to remember that our master is always watching. He always knows. It's not as if because he's not physically present, he doesn't see and know. We, as Christians, should do our work at the same level, whether or not the boss is around. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3.22. Bondservants, obey in everything. Bondservants, that's that word slave, douloi. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord You will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You might have a human master, but you are serving the Lord Christ. You might get a paycheck that says State of New York or Cummins or GE or Erie Insurance or wherever you work, but you have a master who does not work for GE. You work for the Lord you might be retired and therefore not receive a paycheck for work. But you have a master, even the Lord. Serve, then, your masters on earth with the attitude that you are serving your God. Children, this is what it means in Ephesians to obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Don't just obey because mom and dad are watching. Don't just obey because mom and dad are going to punish if you don't. Or reward if you do. Obey because God wants you to. Because God has instructed you to do these things and obey these people and and, and fulfill these obligations in the Lord. Doing what is right simply because it is what our Master desires. Don't let the Lord's delay make you think you can live however you please. Be a faithful servant. And in doing so, handle the master's absence wisely. Don't live as if Jesus is coming tomorrow. Live as if he'd never left. Number two good stewardship is proper treatment of the master's servants. Instead of caring for his colleagues, the other household servants, the other household slaves, this wicked servant beat them. He chose the company of drunks instead of his fellows. The master had entrusted him with an authority. He had a specific realm in which he was given some power. He was given some importance. He was given some authority, and his job was to care for the household servants, yet he abused the position and the servants. Kind of easy for us to see how this applies to us, especially those of us who have a position of authority, whether or not you're the employer or you're the head of your house or whatever it may be. How we treat those under our authority reveals how prepared we are Christ's return. Think about that. The wicked servant's abuse of the other servants showed that he wasn't ready for the master return. And in the same way, how you treat your wife, how you treat your children, or how you treat your employee, or anybody who might be in a, a realm of authority, that reveals whether or not you are prepared for the return of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 20, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Not it shouldn't be so. He says it shall not be so among you but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever must, would be first among you must be your slave. There's that word doulos. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Leadership is not an excuse for everyone to serve you. It's the wrong attitude to have these people exist to serve me and to do my bidding. These kind of leaders eventually end up with no followers. Bosses who see their employees as slaves soon don't have any, or they keep cycling through. Have you ever gone to a business where there's never the same faces there? Generally, it's a leadership issue. Husbands who abuse their position in the home may soon find themselves in divorce court. And even if your wife is beyond Uh, beyond gracious and merciful. Her real master in heaven sees what you're doing. He's your master too. And he sees what you're doing. And it shows that you're not really prepared for his coming. To abuse a leadership position makes one more like the wicked slave than the faithful. Just to refresh your memory, go back and look at the outcomes of both. This speaks to me, I think, even more practically, because we're dealing with people who have been given an authority over other servants. Church leaders, as the servants of Christ, have been entrusted and charged with the spiritual care and feeding of Christ's church. Pastors, deacons, I think this applies as well must faithfully give them the food at the proper time. Or, as Peter writes, to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. It's interesting, the New Testament connects Christianity, your Christian faith, to your relationships with the rest of the church. I mean, you can jot these references down and look at them, and I only picked three or four, uh, there's just kind of prove, prove that this is true. Christ, our Christian faith is connected to your relationships with other Christians. It's not me and Jesus only. You're involved too. Matthew 25, 40, we'll get to this as we finish the, the rest of the, the Olivet Discourse. Jesus said in Matthew twenty five forty, as you did it to the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. In 1 John 1, 5, John says, if we walk in the light as he, the Father, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. First Corinthians 8.12, Paul says that when we sin against a brother, we're actually sinning against Christ. Ephesians 2 and 1 Timothy 3 teaches that the church is called the household of God. Some of us have been entrusted specific responsibilities within that household. We ought to treat them wisely. A prepared servant is a faithful servant. A faithful servant is one who stewards his responsibility and exercises good treatment of his master's servants. Let me just ask, as we quickly move from this one, how would you describe your relationships within the church? I know it's difficult to get along all the time. Are we abusing any positions of power, authority, maybe even just assumed? Are we mistreating? Are we withholding that which we should be giving? He said it is in service to others that we prepare for the parousia. And the last one, faithful stewardship means properly handling the master's resources. Wicked servant, again, was supposed to care for the other servants with master's food and drink. That's what it says there. That's the main thing he was given to do, was to give them their food at the proper time. What did he do? Well, instead, he ate and drank with drunkards. He used the master's resources for himself instead of for the people it was intended for. It means that he wasn't given the pantry keys so that he could gorge himself on the master's food and wine. He was supposed to make sure that everybody had enough. Doesn't mean he wasn't allowed to eat. It just means that he was supposed to be looking beyond himself to someone else to everyone else. So then how we manage the master's resources also reveals how prepared we are for his return. He who serves himself alone is like the wicked servant who failed to recognize that the food and wine was his masters not his and was meant for others not only himself so let me ask you this question what resources has god entrusted to you and how are you using them to bless the household as christians we need to learn to identify the resources, the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the blessings that God has entrusted to us, and learn to identify whether or not we're supposed to keep that for ourselves, or if we're supposed to be using that to bless others. How has God blessed you? Answer that question, and then answer the next question. Are you using it to bless the household or is it solely for your enjoyment is there some way that you are meant to use those particular resources to minister to your neighbors to the church to the household of faith Tim and go go down use the resources that he has not within the four walls here this time but to go to help ted and that's what ted does he goes All over, this week in our prayer list, we were praying for those who work in the background of our church. They don't do things and get the spotlight. They do things that nobody ever knows about. Sometimes they do stuff that really, truly, nobody knows who's doing it until they don't do it one week, and we realize, oh, someone's been doing this the whole time. We need those kinds of people, and those people have recognized there's a gift, there's a resource, there's an opportunity. Those of you who have opened your home so that we could meet in on the afternoons. Not everybody has a home that is set up for that, but some do. And when you open that up and you use that for Bible study or for ladies' gatherings or for Sunday evening gatherings, you're using a resource that God has blessed you with, not just for yourself. You get to live there every day. So, you know, there you go. But when you also use it for another purpose, for the household... You're recognizing that it is the master's resources, not yours. Now, we want to reject the idea that this kind of a passage is teaching that it's only for the Christians. Because the truth is everybody is under Christ's authority. say, well, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a believer, so he's not my king, not my president. Yeah, he is. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the Lord. And he's not looking for votes. He's not trying to increase his popularity. He's not waiting for you to make him the Lord of your life. He already is. He's waiting for you to catch on to the fact that he already rules and reigns and you better bow the knee before it's too late. Either bow the knee today and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. Live in obedience to his commands and receive great reward and blessing by being prepared for his return, or continue to resist his rule, act in rebellion, and pretend that there's no king, and therefore you get to live your life as you please. The truth is that the king is going to come. And on that day, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess, Jesus is Lord Some will be rewarded. Some will be punished. Living as if Jesus could come back tomorrow could sound good, but here's the problem. It can lead to procrastination. I've got more time. Those of us who have PhDs in procrastination, you know what I'm talking about. Why study today when you can study tomorrow? Why do that paper for school a week When they told you about it, when you can do it the night before. Why wait until, why do your chores while Mama's gone when you can wait until she's yelling at you while you're doing them? Whatever the case may be. That is the mentality that we can have when we live as if Jesus is coming tomorrow. But if we live as if Jesus never left, It changes our mentality. It changes our motivation. We are motivated to be faithful because whether he is here, whether he is in the heavens, whether he is uh, physically with us or not, we are motivated to obedience and to faithfulness. Let me just close by reading what Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3. According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved since you are waiting for these be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace in other words let us be careful to live each day in faithful obedience so that at the at, at his return the master who instructed us to care for his servants and steward his resources Will find us so do let's pray gracious God and father our master and Lord we thank you that we have been made your servants and freed from bondage and slavery to sin We thank you also that we have been given great stewardship of families of children of material things everything that we have thank you for the reminders of your word that tell us that these things are not ours to do as we please to do so glorify and honor you there may not be one particular way that we that everybody is supposed to use these things so we look to you to teach us as we sang teach us full obedience Teach us how to be good stewards. Teach us how to be faithful servants. Lord, may those who have yet to submit, who have yet to bow the knee, may they do so soon. Before it's too late, may they hear the words of warning. May they hear the promises and receive promises life and great reward to escape death and judgment. As we go through this week, make us aware of our indebtedness as servants to you, our responsibility to you as servants and slaves, the great freedom that we have in Christ. And of our obligation to serve one another with the things you've given to us. In doing so, we bring great glory in your name. It's through Jesus that we pray this.